0: Proverbs 7, 1 27. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. "'At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. "'I saw among the simple. "'I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. "'He was going down the street near her corner, "'walking along in the direction of her house, "'at twilight as the day was fading, "'as the dark of night set in. "'Then out came a woman to meet him, "'dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. "'She is unruly and defiant, and her feet never stay at home, "'now in the street, now in the squares.' At every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have food for my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with coloured linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love." My husband is not at home, he has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be at home till full moon. With persuasive words she led him astray, she seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me, pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are her victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death.
1: Thanks, Francis. Well, good evening, everyone. It's um, great to see you here tonight. Um, This afternoon I went to see uh, Margaret Burt in hospital and um, I just want to share two little stories one for your encouragement and the second that she'll lead into what we're looking at tonight Uh, It was lovely meeting with Margaret and you'll know uh, that uh, She's quite hard of hearing and which means that she's not so good at whispering You know if you've ever gone into hospital to visit someone uh, you're trying to be a little bit discreet around the bed um, Opening up the Bible reading a little verse of scripture and praying for her of course Uh, margaret can't do anything discreetly because um she's very loud and so i chuckled as i went away because there i was trying to do a sort of quiet little bible reading and prayer with her and the whole ward got to hear everything we were doing because uh, after i'd prayed she went to pray and uh, i thank god though because there's an elderly lady in, in later years of life and lots of struggles and yet she was being an evangelist on that ward and i thank god for that so just a little encouragement for you Um, But the illustration from the same place um, which leads into tonight is next to her in the bed There was a lady who clearly was suffering from some form of alzheimer's um pretty unwell and as I walked away, it was very sad because She clearly didn't really understand a lot of what was going on. She had an illness inside that was deeply affecting her brain And it's a bit like that with our our sin, isn't it? Um, there's things within us that, and we've looked at this all through the Book of proverbs. There's sin within us that. Um, is eating away at us that's harming us, but as I walked away I also thought one of the problems that she struggles with is that it's deeply relational the things she struggles with I was thinking of her family back home who might struggle to relate to her because of her illness the kind of care that they want to give her But perhaps can't And it's a bit like that with sin. There's a problem within us, but sin is also relational and uh, as we come to proverbs chapter 7 the illustration that's given for what we're looking at tonight wisdom that flees from sin uh, the illustration that's given is that of adultery and although we're going to stay on that theme through the evening actually it could be anything that leads us away from God um, from Jesus Christ the pearl of great price that we considered um, last week so I want to read um, don't feel you have to turn to it I want to read a little passage from Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus speaks about adultery I just want you to notice something he says Than for your whole body to go into hell now Jesus deliberately uses hyperbole exaggeration here to help us to see the drastic nature of our sin and what we're to do to deal with it and and part of the reason for that is something that God declares in the book of Jeremiah the heart is deceitful above all things I hope as we've gone through our little series in the book of Proverbs you've seen the very strong link between wisdom and the heart And so I want to pray now as we come to this passage that God will give us the humility to see that our hearts are naturally inherently deceitful and that God by his spirit would change our hearts because if we're going to flee from sin, it's not about doing good stuff. It's not about deciding I'm not going to do that and never doing it again because if you're like me, you'll struggle. What it's about is a changed heart. We need to pray for the spirit of God to take hold of our heart that is deceitful above all things and take away that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. So should we pray as we come to chapter 7 together? Father God, it's really chilling to read these words in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all else. It's deceitful because it tells us that we're not sinful or that sin doesn't really matter. Or that sin has no consequence. And yet we see that sin isn't just something that eats away inside us. It's deeply relational. And so as we consider our walk with you, we want to be wise people. And we're learning tonight that wisdom flees from sin. So please take away our hearts that are so naturally deceitful and show us what we're really like. And please point us to the one who is true wisdom. That we might say no to sin and say yes to you this week. Amen. Uh, someone this week in church pointed me to a, a rather sobering, um, uh, something, something was written in, in one of the local papers that was rather sobering this week. It was based around a, an organization called Illicit Encounters that specialises in helping married people have affairs. Uh, it's a terrible um, organization, obviously. It's UK's leading dating agency for people who are married who are looking for another relationship. And the thing that really frightened me was that it said in this report that Oxford is the fastest growing city in the UK for infidelity. And so when you come to a passage like this and you sort of think, oh, it's all about adultery, it's easy to sort of say, well, that's not us, or it's not me. But actually, if the statistics are right, it's a problem that is rife in our culture. I don't know particularly why the reasons Oxfordshire is that high. Um, But actually, forget what's written in that newspaper advert. This is an issue that many, many people will struggle with. We'll come to uh, proverbs chapter 7 if you would Notice how it begins and it should come as no surprise because we've been there a number of times in the recent weeks This is the 10th time in the first seven chapters of proverbs that the father is speaking to his son He addresses him again my son You'd think if it's come 10 times in seven chapters. It's important Uh, Remember proverbs often works as like instruction the father or the mother speaking to a child and here we have it for the 10th time If you want to cast your mind back to where we were last week, uh, chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you're awake, they will speak to you. The idea is that wisdom is meant to be lived. And if you remember the illustration last week, I was talking about the kind of quiet time we could have, maybe first thing in the morning where I I stop and remember God. And I was saying, it's a really important thing to do. But if this time at the beginning of the day has no bearing on the rest of the time I spend in the day, at one level it's kind of pointless because the whole point of stopping and remembering God at the beginning of the day is that what he speaks to us is meant to speak into our life at different times in the day and that's what wisdom does here that, that kind of quiet time it binds truth on our heart it fastens it around our neck. So as I walk through the day facing the challenges and the joys God continues to speak. Wisdom is lived and then we learned last week didn't we chapter six verse twenty three uh, this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light and correction and instruction are the way to life I hope you'll continue to get that emphasis every week we've looked almost every week now in our series in Proverbs on life God's wisdom speaks life and then look at verse 26, verse 24 what is the greatest danger perhaps that this father identifies for the son that's going to lead him away from life God's way verse 24 he says do all this it will keep you from your neighbor's wife from the smooth talk of a wayward woman so as the father is instructing the son all sorts of different areas of life he can instruct in perhaps the most poignant the one maybe where the son is most vulnerable is this issue of adultery or uh, seeing a woman that's not his wife and going after her and so what you have in chapter seven is a contrast you've got a contrast between the adulteress and lady wisdom um, if you're somebody who takes notes, you can scribble down um, those verses and have a look at them. They're just illustrations But let me walk through a kind of picture of what this adulteress looks like through proverbs And then what lady wisdom looks like The picture we get if you were to look up those verses is of the adulterous woman it's one who is unfaithful one who leads astray Interestingly the adulteress uses speech a lot to deceive the naive son if you've got a your Bible, there. Just flick back to as a few examples. Chapter two, verse sixteen. Uh, the Father says to the Son, "Wisdom will save you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman, with her seductive words." There, you've got it. Her words. Uh, flick on to chapter five, verse three. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. There's something attractive at least seemingly on the surface from the words that this lady speaks Um, chapter 6 verse 24 last little example Uh, to the son keep away from your neighbor's wife for the smooth talk from the smooth talk of a wayward woman it's interesting isn't it how speech is used by the adulteress to lure this man away from faithfulness Um, think of genesis chapter 3 what was it that the devil went after did God really say? He's speaking words that are a lie but appear very seductive and it draws this young man away from what is true. But she doesn't just use her speech, she also uses her looks. Have a look at chapter 6, verse 25. The, The father says to the son, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. The point is, she's attractive and naturally she's drawing this young man to herself. But we know, as you were to, if you were to read these different references of the adulteress, time and time again, when the book of Proverbs talks about the adulteress, read on, it talks about the adulteress leading you to Sheol. It's the Hebrew word that describes death or destruction. Very, very dangerous. And then if you want a sort of summary of what the father says to the son about the adulterous woman, just go back to chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. This is a very clear illustration. He says to him, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Answer, no. He's he's asking the son a very obvious question. So son, can you go the way of the adulteress? Forgo God's wisdom and go the way of the adulteress. Can you do that without it costing you or anybody else anything? Answer, no. And yet the adulteress is incredibly seductive. And this is the temptation. Now here we're talking about adultery. But think of anything in your life that's luring you away from the wisdom of God. The point is it's attractive. It might be that it looks attractive. It might be that it speaks things that are attractive. But it's luring you away from God. Always offering life. Contrast it to Lady Wisdom. Uh, If you remember the second week in our series of talks, the illustration I gave, the Tame Food Festival, if you were here, you remember, lots going on, Tame Food Festival, you're buying things, you're shopping, you're seeing friends, busy, busy, busy. It's a picture of the world just busy, distracted, not interested in God. And then there's Lady Wisdom, and she's a very small lady, but she really wants you to hear a very important message. She climbs up the lamppost down on the Tame High Street, where the food festival was this year and she's whispering or shouting aloud to the people will anybody listen to me? and everyone's just busy, busy shopping, talking and maybe one or two catch Lady Wisdom as she's whispering or speaking wisdom calls aloud in the street we saw back in chapter 1, verse 20 trying to get people's attention and of course our attention just goes with this adulteress all the stuff that's seductive that takes our eyes off the wisdom of God and here's Lady Wisdom shouting will anyone listen to me? of course most people don't but one or two do and the question for us is uh, are we those people and so in contrast to the adulterous woman look what the father says to the son in chapter 7 verse 4 and 5 he says listen son say to wisdom you are my sister and to insight you are my relative they will keep you from the adulterous woman In other words, our eyes, our hearts will be locked into one of two. In this illustration, it's the adulterous woman or lady wisdom. But you take any other analogy or illustration in life, something that's going to lead you away from God or something that's going to lead you to him in wisdom. And so I hope that you can see it as the father speaks to the son. He's holding up two pictures, the adulterous woman and lady wisdom and saying, my son, you've got to make a choice. Now as you contrast those two, just a few things that I hope you are observing. Interest, be interested that both call to you. What's Lady Wisdom doing in chapter 1? She's up the lamppost and she's calling out. Come God's way. What's the adulterous woman doing? She's calling out. Come my way. I can offer you so much more. Look how attractive I am. So both are calling for us. Notice, interestingly as well, both promise life. Lady Wisdom promises life, but the adulterous woman promises life too. I don't know if you've ever reflected on the fact the devil never promises death. The devil promises life, but can't give it. What happened in the Garden of Eden? The devil says, God is restricting you. God is stopping you from being truly fulfilled. So come my way. That's the way for true life. The devil never promises death, but he always delivers death very very dangerous so there's this call both are offering a promise of life and all the way through chapters one to nine and we haven't got time to go into chapter eight and nine that really focus on lady wisdom but all the way through the first nine chapters in proverbs the writer weaves lady wisdom and the adulteress together keeps chopping and changing the idea being the sun is bombarded with a voice this way and a voice this way who's he going to listen to proverbs is all about choice because that's what wisdom is all about Who will we choose? And as we come to chapter 7, I'm just going to read again from verses 6 to 20. It's really the father speaking a story to the son, just to show just how easy it is to be captivated by the adulterous woman. And actually, as we listen to it, if, if you want to think of a different analogy, just think about how captivating any sin in our life can be that can lead us from God. This is the story the father tells the son at the window of my house. I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple now simple here is a reference in Proverbs to a person who lacks wisdom who's unwise. I saw this unwise this simple person and I noticed among them a young man a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near his corner. Walking along in the direction of her house. It's a picture just of a pretty naive young man. He's just walking down a street. He perhaps knows it's a bit dangerous, but isn't really thinking. Just wandering in a direction. At twilight, as the day was fading, verse 9, as the day of darkness was setting in. Verse 10, then out came a woman to meet him. As the, the, the man is just walking along rather aimlessly, not really thinking the woman has intent she comes out to meet him she's been looking for him she's dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent verse 11 she's unruly and defiant her feet never stay at home now in the streets now in the squares and every corner she lurks she took hold of him and kissed him and with a brazen face she said today i fulfilled my vows and i have food for my fellowship offering at home As you read that, you probably think, what on earth is that about? What do you mean food and fellowship offering? In the Old Testament, there was one of the offerings, the sacrifices, was called the fellowship offering or the Thanksgiving offering. The idea is you took an animal, you killed it, and you sprinkled the blood all over the altar. But then you took the animal back home, and you cooked it, and you enjoyed it as a feast with your family and friends. It's frightening here that if this is a practice, this lady, the adulterous lady, is going through, perhaps she's an israelite she's one of god's people see being a christian doesn't make us immune from sin and she lures this young man verse 15 so i came out to meet you i looked for you and i found you and then comes the seduction i've covered my bed with colored linens from egypt i have perfumed my bed with myrrh aloes and cinnamon it all smells nice it all looks nice it just promises so much come let's drink deeply of love till the morning let's enjoy ourselves with love my husband is not home he's gone on a long journey he took his purse filled with money he will not come back until four moon in other words we can have some fun for a while and nobody's going to know there's no consequences it's all very private verse 21 with perva- persuasive words she led him astray she seduced him with her smooth talk it's an illustration that the father gives to the son. I just want to make a few observations as you look back at it. Firstly, notice that the young man wasn't necessarily looking for this. He was just walking down the street being a bit naive. And the adulteress, verse 15, finds him and flatters him. You and I, we have this irresistible desire to be irresistibly desired, as one writer's put it. I want to be loved. And when someone finds you attractive or promises you something, it's kind of nice, isn't it? and the son's just going for a stroll and he finds this woman and she's attractive and he wasn't looking for it but in the moment suddenly she thought hmm there's something in this maybe he wasn't looking for it but it found him notice the second observation notice how persuasive the adulteress is there's the temptation verses 16 to 18 come I found you come to my home it smells nice it looks nice Notice also the sense of adventure, verses 19 and 20. The kind of idea, my husband's not here, come on, it's a bit naughty. No one's gonna know, we kind of like a bit of risk. It's worth it, just come on. No consequences, isn't that exactly what sin says to us? Just, just a little bit. No consequences. God will forgive you at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be adultery, just think of anything where the devil's just saying, just come on a little bit. A little bit's not gonna hurt. A little bit becomes a lot. And soon we're on a path to destruction. Very, very dangerous. Sin works just like an adulteress would work. Just enticing us. So the young man's not looking for it. The adulteress is persuasive. Thirdly, notice how quickly it all happened. Look at verse 21. She led him astray. Literally in the original it's talking about she took him very quickly. Didn't take much. Because she was attractive because she promised so much it's not true in our own life with sin it doesn't take much does it but it promises an awful lot and it can happen just so quickly also notice there's no dialogue there's no sense of wrestling he just went away along with it because it was promising so much in the moment not really thinking of consequences that's what sin does don't think about the consequences just follow your instinct so the young man wasn't looking for it it was very persuasive it all happened very quickly and finally look at how destructive it all becomes verse 22 all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces its liver like a bird darting into a snare little knowing it will cost him his life and then verse 26 many other victims she has brought down her slain are a mighty throng Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. It's quite a heavy chapter, isn't it? But it's heavy for a reason, because the father here who loves his son is wanting to warn his son. And if this is Solomon writing, we know something of Solomon, don't we? Later in his life, what was it that led him astray? The very thing he's speaking to his son here about well there were a few observations, here are a few reflections just to consider in your own life Uh, none of us are immune from this this isn't a problem for men or a problem for women it's also not just a problem for young people you'll know of examples I'm sure of people much older in life who fall to this temptation and of course all temptations if we're going to think about spiritual adultery in a sense, they affect you if you're a man if you're a woman, if you're young, if you're old none of us are immune from this if we're married, we mustn't think that our marriage will protect us from this hopefully there are things that are in place because we're fostering healthy marriages that will protect us but just because we're married doesn't mean we're not going to find other people attractive and be tempted think this isn't just physical affairs think of emotional affairs giving our heart to another person think of the world of pornography offering so much satisfaction but without any commitment and spits you out the other end, feeling so shameful, and yet so many people wrestle with it, and it's such a shameful problem, would we ever dare share that with anybody else if we were struggling with it? Unhelpful daydreaming, actually acting improperly towards another person, or maybe just being innocent, but being caught off guard. All sorts of different ways that we can fall. And so actually in this particular area, we've all got responsibility for each other in this, to pray to each other, to model to each other, to protect each other. But how do we guard our hearts? How is the father speaking to the son? Because it's one thing as a parent saying to a son or a daughter, be careful, don't go the way I've gone, learn from my mistakes. But it's not just about don't do this. As I said at the beginning, it's about a change of our heart. If our heart is what is deceptive, the thing we need to be putting in place is praying that the spirit of God would change us here. what What does the father say to the son to help him to protect his heart? Have a look at verses 24 and 25. Now then, my sons, it's interesting here, he's now not got one son listening in, but the others have eavesdropping, and they've joined the table. Listen, my sons, listen to me, pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. And We looked at this last week, didn't we? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. That's why the heart matters so much. So three little applications uh, and maybe one or two of them might speak to you tonight. If you're involved in something you know is not God honoring. If you are involved in an affair or tempted to have an affair and it may not be something sexual perhaps it's some other area of your life if you're involved in something that is shameful and deep in your heart you know it is wrong just remember and and the father illustrates this perfectly as someone has once quipped sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go and it will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay I think that's helpful just to illustrate to us the seriousness of it the sin will take you further than you wanted to go it will keep you longer than you wanted to stay and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay if you're caught in some sin in your life and it is shameful and you don't feel you can share it with anybody repent of it please repent of it turn to jesus as i was once taught as a little boy by a man who was much older than me for every look at yourself take 10 looks at jesus have you heard that before Sometimes when we get so caught up with a sense of guilt or shame in our heart because of something we know is not God-honoring. And often it's the secret things that happen in the home and nobody else sees. If that's you and you're feeling that weight, come to Jesus and say sorry because that's why he died on a cross. Not then to beat you over the head and tell you how hopeless you are, but to wrap his arms around you and go, it's all right. I paid the price for you and I love you. Remember David when he commits adultery with Bathsheba and then he prays that beautiful prayer in Psalm 51 and he says in verse 10, Lord, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's the idea of cleanse me, give me purity, forgive me and then change my heart so I don't want to go this way any longer. That's why that prayer is so beautiful. Forgive me and change my heart. And so if you're caught up in something you know doesn't honour God, can I just encourage you tonight, please... Pray and ask for forgiveness. I know that Christ will forgive you. We're thinking about grace next Sunday morning and that will be something again to continue to reflect on. Second little illustration. I want to speak here to anyone who's been hurt by unfaithfulness. Perhaps marital unfaithfulness, sexual unfaithfulness, or maybe just in life let down by someone in a very severe way and it's been hugely painful. I don't want to sound trite in giving you a kind of one-liner, but... I'd love you to take this little line away and reflect on its depth. When you've been hurt by the unfaithfulness of someone else, can I encourage you to cling to the one who has always and will always be faithful to you? Because there is one. There's one who has always been faithful and always will be faithful. And his name is Jesus. And so when we're caught up with the pain, the destruction of unfaithfulness in human relationships... We can cling to the one who's always faithful. And that gives us great encouragement. And the last little one, I guess for us all, as we think about this issue of sin, I want to challenge us all to pray that God would give us a spirit of humility. Um, John Bradford was a a famous reformer in the 16th century. He was later um, martyred for his faith. There was a time when this guy John Bradford was in prison and he saw some of his friends being led away to be executed for their faith and it was then as he saw these prisoners being led away to be killed that he coined the famous phrase that i'm sure many of you have heard there but for the grace of god go i that's where that phrase came from john bradford this reformer he was recognizing if it weren't for the grace of god i too would be going to my death but god in his grace has spared me a little longer that i might be able to witness to people in prison, And so when we consider this whole issue of sin and our heart that so easily turns away from God, we all need that humility to recognize this isn't a problem that that person struggles with. It's a problem in my heart and I need that humility. Without the grace of God, that's where I would be. And just to pray that God would give me that humility, give us that humility we've seen that sexual immorality is a danger that we can all be tempted with whether we're married, not married whether we're young, old, male or female but actually we're surrounded in life aren't we with all sorts of dangers of different things, different experiences different people who lure us away from God and so I want to close by going back to that illustration at the beginning the adulteress and lady wisdom the point is the adulteress represents, symbolizes here Anything and everything that is luring us away from God, away from God's wisdom, away from living God's way. And it is attractive and it promises life. And then over here, you've got Lady Wisdom. And she's calling out, no, follow me, follow me. Literally, for God's sake, follow me. Because I love you and I know what's best for you. And this is life. We live here in the middle. There's this calling us very strongly this way. And there's the Lord Jesus here calling us back to himself. And as we've seen time and time again in the book of Proverbs, true God-given wisdom is being able to discern the two voices. And often they'll be very subtle and they'll often promise great deals. But true wisdom is being able to discern this voice. And every day to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to focus on you today. I want to say no to all that the world is offering that takes me away from you. And I want to focus on Christ I'm going to close with some words that I shared um, uh, last week at the Contact lunch. Was it last week or this week? I can't remember. But we had a lovely lunch here with some of the the folk from Contact. It was a sort of Q&A time with the pastors. And it was just a... uh, We were being bombarded with questions, wonderful questions from uh, friends from the church. And so I finished the morning, or the afternoon, by um, giving everyone who was in the room a question. And my question to them is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. And I left them with a little quote from uh, an American pastor who talked about Jesus Christ being the only person who if you fail him will truly forgive you and if you find him will truly satisfy you and that's friends why we've got to keep listening to his voice because he is the one who offers us forgiveness for all the times our heart is led astray by sin but he's also the one who offers us joy To show us that his way is a better way. That his way leads to life. And this is something we've all in together. So can I pray for us now as we close. That God would indeed take away from us this heart that is so deceptive. And would help tune our hearts in. That we listen to lady wisdom in whatever we're struggling with this week. Let's pray for God's grace now. Father God, in a moment of quiet we just lay before you whatever it is in our life where you perhaps have convicted us tonight that we're not honouring you. And in a moment of quiet we just lay it at the foot of the cross. Lord, we began tonight by considering our heart being deceitful above all else. It's deceitful because we can't admit that we so often turn away from you. It's deceitful because we often want to kid ourselves that by turning away from you, there's no consequence. That it's not that big a deal. But we ask for your forgiveness. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And yet, Lord, we thank you for that wonderful promise that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, as we come to you tonight, whatever it is that we've laid at the foot of the cross, we pray as David prayed. Lord, please create in us a pure heart, a heart that loves the things that you love, a heart that goes the way that you want us to go a heart that listens for the voice of Lady Wisdom and follows her and says no to the adulteress. Create in us, O Lord, a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Father, I pray this week when temptation comes knocking, when temptation that promises us so much but always fails to ultimately deliver, we pray that you, by your grace and your spirit working in our hearts, would Create a steadfast spirit within us that we might walk the way of lady wisdom and not be enticed into the home of the adulteress. Lord help us to know that the commands you give us are for our good and for our flourishing you're not a killjoy you're a God who loves us more than we could ever imagine we have that irresistible desire to be irresistibly desired and in the gospel we are So I pray, Father, that this week as you create in us that pure heart, as you renew a steadfast spirit within you, you would help us to be truly wise as we seek to serve you in the week ahead. Lord, we're weak and we need your help. And so we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.